Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right, all right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. It's so good to have you here. How many of you are enjoying the 12 degree weather outside? Can I hear a good amen, right? I got a, I got a huge shout of like, woo, loving it in the first service. And I'm like, y'all crazy. Like, it's way too cold. But uh, it's so good to have you with us today. If I've not had the opportunity to introduce myself, my name is Rhett, and it's the honor of my life to get to come alongside you and to serve you and to be the pastor here at One Life Church. Uh, if you're new here, uh, we're three years young, everybody. Uh, my family and I moved here in January of 2018 uh, with just one dream, and that was to love God and to love people and to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference with your life. We launched our church right here at the Civic Center right here in Nam- in September the 16th of 2018. And as they say, the rest is history. We're just on one day at a time, one week at a time journey of just coming along and loving God and loving people. So however you found us, we're glad that you're here. Something we do every week before we jump into the message is I want to just look into the camera and talk to our One Life Church family online. And we want to make you feel welcome today. All those at the Civic Center, throw your hands together today. Welcome to Online Church family. Come on. I don't know how much you love them. Yeah. It's funny, I'm so thankful for technology because there are many of you who are joining us online, whether you're out of town or some of you even out of state are just coming in and we just want to just welcome our heart to you. This is, we're not distant, we're together by the beauty of technology and many of you, you send us prayer requests through text, you send us prayer requests through our website and we just want to say thank you so much for that. We're praying for you and you're our family, so please let us know how we can serve you. All right, you guys, as Nick said, we are in a series called Habits. In fact, we're closing this series out today. But before we do, I want to remind you of a couple things. And that is, somebody say small groups. Oh, come on, man. That was weak. Come on, say small groups. Come on. So it's more fun. Church should be fun. It's a lot more fun when there's participation, okay? Uh, And so small groups, what are they? Well, they're groups that are intended to be small, that create opportunities for community and according to God's word, that bring about life change. When you are connected, not in a perfect community, because there is no such thing, but when you're connected with people in relationship and life-giving community, the byproduct is life change for you as well. This is not something we do. This is who we are. And we talk about it all the time because this is just what we, this is who we are. And so small groups are launching off next Sunday, everybody, and we'll go for about 13 weeks. And so if you're new here, we do a semester-based small group system, which means we kind of take off around the holidays and we kick them up going, kick them back off going into the spring. And the reason I mention that is because if you want to go to our website right now and click on the button that looks just like that, or you text OLC groups to 94,000, it'll send you a link. You can learn more about it, but there's also a place where you can view our online Directory. So our online directory went live today and currently standing before we launch next Sunday. We have about 14 opportunities. We're expecting another five or, or six before we get into this semester. But you can go ahead and kind of shop those and see which one kind of pique your interest. And we would be so excited for you to take that next step. And some of you in the room today, you've participated in small groups and you felt like, hey, you know what? I think I could lead a small group. And in fact, you've just kind of been waiting on a sign from the Lord to say, Lord, just show me a sign. And 
then I'll just go to small group leadership training. So guess what? Here's your sign, everybody. Small group leadership training, small group leadership training. Now it's taking place right now during this service. So you're thinking, well, can I go still attend it? Yes. If you want to go be a part, it will not offend me at all. If you want to leave this room and go to small group leadership training, our team can meet you in the lobby and they will show you and direct you to where that is. It's just an opportunity for you to learn more about small groups and what they look like, how we operate, the vision behind it. And so I would encourage you to be a part of that. All right, you guys, you'll hear more about small groups in today's message. I'll tell you more about that in a moment, but here's the thing. We are a message note-taking church, which means we love to take notes here at One Life Church because I don't want to just inspire you and encourage you. That is huge and that is important, but I also want to put God's word in your hand. And so if you will text OLC notes to 94,000, OLC notes to 94,000, it's amazing. It'll show up right there on your phone. You can fill in the blank. You can save it as a PDF. You can email it to a friend. But the beautiful thing about notes is that you can carry it with you and begin to apply this and live this thing out Monday through Saturday. Can I get a good amen from all the note takers in the room? Somebody. All right, so we are closing out our series called Habits. Uh, One of the biggest thoughts that has come from this series had come out of a book that I'm recently read called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, I have recommended that book almost every Sunday. And I would encourage you, if you want to dive deeper into the topic of habits and how important they are to have healthy habits in your life, uh, it's a great book. And so one of the big thoughts and ideas that came out of this book is that we all have similar goals but we all have drastically different results. We all have similar goals in this room. Like many of us, we wanna be close to God. Like many of us, if we're honest, we wanna be healthy. Uh, Many of us in this room probably also wanna have healthy relationships. I think if many of us were honest, we'd say, you know what, I wanna make a difference with my life. You know, I don't wanna just suck air, pay taxes and die. Like I want my life to have meaning. Uh, I believe if we sat down over coffee, many of you may say, you know, like I'm tired of being in debt. I want to be debt free. In fact, I've never met one person who said, I just wanna live paycheck to paycheck the rest of my life. Like it doesn't exist, right? Like we all have these similar goals, but the reality is we all drastically have different results. So the question is, why? Why? I think it's a great question because the topic that we've discussed a few weeks ago and throughout the series is this right here, is that goals don't determine your success. Systems determine your success. Let me say it this way. Goals don't determine your success. Habits that are in your life consistently, day in and day out, are what determine your success. In other words, it's one thing to have a goal, but it's a whole other thing to have a system that helps deliver that goal in your life or to help take, uh, uh, take the steps along the way to achieve that goal because we all have goals, but what many of us don't have are the systems or the habits or the process in our life to help us move from where we are to where we think ultimately God wants us to be. So I want to start with a question today, and that is, I think I know the answer to it, but I want you to raise your hand. And that, that is, how many of you, if you were honest, would say, you know what, I want to live a significant and successful life? How many of you in this room? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying, and that's okay. We love you. We're just glad you're here. The truth is, every single one of us want to live a significant, successful life, but the question is, How? Like that's a goal of ours, but many of us don't have a system in our life to help us point us toward the direction of seeing that goal achieved. So how do we do it? Well, today I'm going to give you what I believe is a key habit, a key system, something that honestly will help take you along the road of living a significant and successful life. And it means more in your life than you probably think it does. And that is, we're going to talk about the habit of one word, relationships. Everybody say relationships. 
talking about the habits of who we choose to do life with. And this is important because you need to understand we are who we are. We are where we are because of the people we've chosen to do life with, whether good or bad. The truth is the most important decision in your life, in my life, outside of a relationship with God, the most important decision that you and I will ever, ever make in our life are the decisions of who we're going to do life with. And so why is that important? You ready for it? It's because your life, my life will reflect our friends. Your life reflects your friends, and it is the truth. Look at Proverbs 27, 19. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he or she is really like is shown by the choices they make. It's shown by the decisions or the habits that they have and the kinds of friends that they choose. In other words, (laughs) their life reflects the choices of their relationships, And so today it's a systems message all about encouraging you and showing you how important it is to have relationships in your life that help lead you every day to a place where you'll live significance and success in every area of your life. So four relational choices, if you're taking notes, that I want you to write down. Four relationship habits that if you apply, I believe have the power to change your life. You ready for it? Write this down. And that is, we've got to get to the place where we make the choice and we create the habit of cultivating our critical relationships. We've got to get in the habit of In other words, nurturing the most important relationships in our life. Now, of course, this is obviously God, but it's also those who are closest to us. We've got to nurture these. And I just want to make this statement. The relationship that you're in, sir or ma'am, isn't in the condition it is right now because it is a good or bad relationship. The reason it's in the condition it is in today is determined by on how well you cultivated it and nurtured it. That is what determines whether or not it's a good or bad relationship, not necessarily the relationship itself. In other words, I had somebody come to me and say, Pastor Rhett, man, my marriage isn't what it used to be. And so here's the truth. The marriage itself, that's not the problem. It's not the marriage's fault. It's the result of how well we've nurtured or nourished or cultivated that relationship with our spouse up until this point. In other words, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. That needs to sit in for a second. Where you find green grass, you're always going to find a relationship where somebody has watered it. Somebody said one time, the grass is greener on the other side for sure, and the water bill is a whole lot higher, right? And that is so true. There is a cost and a price that you have to pay in order to nurture and to cultivate those critical relationships around you. In fact, I had one guy say, you know, relationships are a four-letter word. And I'm like, hey, bro, this is church. Watch out. He said work, you know, like W-O-R-K, right? Relationships are work. But just because they take work doesn't mean that they're bad. Just because it's a little bit difficult to maintain sometimes doesn't necessarily mean the relationship is bad. That's like saying a fireplace is a bad fireplace because there's not a fire in the fireplace. It's not the fireplace's fault that there's not wood. It's not the fireplace's fault that there's not, you know, matches or come on, somebody back in the 80s newspapers. Right? Remember those? Right? No, in order for a fireplace... To work properly, what does it got to have? It's got to have the right ingredients. It's got to have some logs. It's got to have some matches. If you're at my house, it's got to have some gasoline. I'm just kidding. I don't do that, all right? I'd like to. But here's the thing. You light a fire in a fireplace and the fire gets going. You walk away 
Come on, Idahoans, you know you walk away from a fireplace. It's just not going to maintain itself. What's it going to do if you walk away from it? It's going to die out, right? Unless you, unless you maintain it, unless you cultivate the fire, unless you nurture that fire, unless you throw another log on the fire, right? Throw a box of matches in there, right? Right? And so for some of us, I just want you to understand that many of us are giving up on our relationships. And I want to say, don't give up on your relationship. Just add a log to the fire. Just add, add fuel to the fire. And some of you are thinking, well, you know, my fire's done burn out, man. It's gone. It's dust. Yeah, you know, it's hard to start a fire from scratch. It really is. But you can still start one from scratch. It just takes the right ingredients. Look at 1 Peter 4.8. How do we do this? Above all. Time out. I looked these two words up in the Greek. Do you know what, it's, you know what it means and says in the Greek? It means above all. It means this is important. Like above all, above everything else. Like the most important critical system to help you achieve the goal of significance and success in your life. My friends, above all, focus and cultivate on critical relationships. Nurture them. How? Through love. Love each other. Love each other. Now notice this. A lot of us are good with our words. We say, I love you, but we're not necessarily good with our actions. It's a lot easier. Talk is cheap. You can say, I love you all day long, but until you see it in somebody's life, it's just lip service. So love requires not only words and affirmation, but service in action. And we're to do this deeply. Why? Because here's the ingredient of love and doing it first in nurturing these relationships. It's because love covers. Everybody say covers. Love covers what? Love covers stupid. It's the way I read the Bible, y'all. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers hurt. Love covers offense. Love brings healing. Love brings life. So we're talking about habits. Talking about how important relationships are. Our life reflects those we do life with. We have got to get to the place where we cultivate the system in our life that helps us become significant and successful in every area of life. It is relationships, and it's those who are most important to us and closest to us. We've got to cultivate those first. Second habit, and so where it gets a little bit tougher. I mean, not all, not all, by the way, this is not some fluffy, feel-good message, okay? It's going to be a little tough today, but here's the second one. It's restore my broken relationships. Restore my broken relationships. I need you to understand that this is a painful process. It's painful. It's hard. It stings, right? It's a painful process to restore a broken relationship, but I just need you to hear my heart, is that the pain of fixing it is nowhere near as bad as the broken relationship itself. It's not. Now, the truth is, you're not always going to be able to fix things all the time. And actually, the Bible addresses it and speaks to it. Look at Romans 12, 17 through 18. Do not repay evil for evil. And then it goes on on to say, if it is possible, time out. I love that it says this phrase, because what is it saying? It's saying, because sometimes it's not. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. In other words, we have a decision to make. We have a choice to make. Now, we're not responsible for the other person's choices. We're not responsible for the other person's response. Because the truth is, not everybody's going to come to play ball. 
But as far as it depends on you and me, then we're called to live at peace with everyone. And so my encouragement would be if you can't live at peace with them, then at least live at peace with yourself. This is good preaching, Pastorette. Thank you so much. <laughs> so how do we do this? Well, this is where it gets difficult. One word that many of us don't like, and it's hard. That's forgive. How do we live this way? How do we restore a broken relationship? Well, as far as it depends on us, we've got to settle in our hearts to walk in forgiveness towards them. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who I believe 90% of everybody in this room and online have professed faith in, said this. Look at what Jesus said. For if you forgive other people who have hurt you, wounded you, when they sin against you, notice the promise. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now let me clarify something around the topic of forgiveness because a lot of people misunderstand—they have this misconception of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Forgive, in other words, it's not saying, you know what, what you did to me in my life and our marriage, that's like no big deal, no worries, it's all good, I'll get over it. No, 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 it was a huge deal, it's a big deal, and it needs to be addressed. Like, it's a big deal. So forgiveness isn't minimizing the mistake. Forgiveness also isn't reconciliation, and forgiveness isn't also restoration. Now, those two things can happen if both parties are willing to play along. But that's not what forgiveness is. My, forgi- my friends, forgiveness is simply setting a prisoner free and just simply discovering that that prisoner you just set free was you. It's important to understand. And so some of you are like, Pastorette, you know, I get what you're saying. I know Jesus said that, but I don't want to. I get it. And that's okay. Like, there's no pressure. You don't have to. You don't have to. But as a friend today, I I would highly encourage you to maybe just think about that a little bit. Because the reason is, this is a big deal. It's huge. It's huge to God and his perspective. And I need you to see the rest of the verse. Jesus went on to say in the same verse, but if you don't forgive others their sins, eh, you don't have to do that. That's fine. That's your choice. Free country. I will never force you to do that. I just need you to understand the consequence that happens. And the consequence of walking in unforgiveness in God's eyes is that your father's not going to forgive your sins either. Now, I know this is difficult to hear. I get it. It's hard. But when I think about my own life, what helps me, or at least what makes it just a little bit easier to maybe even take a step toward forgiveness is when I simply realize how bad I need it myself. Because I know I stand two, two feet on a platform in front of a camera leading a church as a pastor, but I've done a lot of stupid in my life too. I'm learning and growing just like everybody else. And I am thankful for the grace that God gives me through Jesus to forgive me of my mistakes, however big or small. So when I realize this, it does change the game a little bit for me to be able to extend forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says this, guys, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances that you may have against one another. I love the Bible 
Because it's saying that, hey, although, yes, you are a son and daughter, your faith is in Jesus, and you're trying to do your, your best to just get close to God and live this thing out, the reality is you're in humanity, right? You live in a broken world, and where there's broken people, there's going to be hurt and pain, and where there's hurt and pain, there's going to be people who are going to hurt other people. And this is going to be a part of your life. But when you experience it, this is what I'm asking you to do. Just bear with each other. Like, understand that there are problems, but we're going to get through it and do it together. Forgive whatever it might be that you have against one another. And this is the part that makes it a little bit easier for me when I hear this. Forgive as the Lord. Don't forget. You need to forgive just as God has forgiven you of all your mistakes and all your past and the places where you missed the mark and didn't have it all together. So for me, this is just a habit, and I would encourage you to get into this habit, to walk in some freedom. And that's the habit, and I did it this morning. I do it almost every day. You know, you've heard me mention before, if you've been around here for a while, that I have some daily declarations where I'm just speaking God's word over my life, and I'm saying it out loud like I'm a child of God, I'm an overcomer, no weapon formed against me, greater is he who's in me than he that's within the world. You know, I'm just reminding myself what God's word speaks to me. And a part of that process and a part of my prayer every day is I've got a list of people. I got a list. And unfortunately, that list keeps growing. I'm 44. And on that list, I got people who have hurt me, who have wounded me spiritually. I've had people who have wounded me mentally. I've had people who have abandoned me. I've had people who have said bad things and hurtful things that were not true about me. I've had people, and so like that's life. And so I've got on this list people, and this is my prayer, God. I can't do this without you, but Lord, I'm, I'm asking, God, I, I need help to do this, but God, I forgive them for hurting me. I forgive them for saying some bad things. I had a misunderstanding. It wasn't true, but Lord, I don't hold it against them. I forgive them. Lord, I, I forgive them. And then I just go down their names and I just, and I ask God to bless them. It's hard, but the beauty is the reason I do this is because I don't want poison to live in my spirit or my soul. Harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die right? And so I don't want the poison in my life. So God's forgiven me. And because of that, then God, by your grace, I don't want this poison to hurt me. God, you know, when I, the more I drink of it, it doesn't hurt them. It only hurts me. It wounds me. It isolates me. And it makes me a miserable person to be around and a miserable person to be. So Lord, I'm just getting rid of the junk, getting rid of the poison. I'm not drinking from that cup anymore. God, forgive them. I forgive them, Lord. Why? Because I want forgiveness myself. I can't imagine living my life without God forgiving me of my sins. So we're talking about living a life of success and significance in every area of our life, my friends. We're talking about creating habits and key systems that help deliver the goal of becoming all that God has called you and I to become as the man and woman of God, moving us from where we currently are to where God ultimately wants us to be. We're talking about how vital relationships are. Why are they important? Because you and I, we are who we are, where we are because of the relationships that we've chosen to do life with, good or bad. And the truth is the most important decisions 
outside of your relationship with God are the decisions of the people you choose to do life with, the habits you create. Why? Because your life will, not maybe, no, your life will reflect your friends. It is the truth. So we're going to cultivate them critical relationships in our life. We're going to get to the place where we take small steps toward trying to restore broken relationships. Here's the third one if you're writing it down. It's one of the best decisions that I believe you can make. And that is we're going to sever any harmful relationships. In other words, we're going to get rid of the toxicity of the people in our life that are toxic. And you don't even need me to tell you who they are because you know who they are and what they are. It's that unhealthy, flirtatious relationship at work that your spouse doesn't know about. It started very innocently, but now has turned in a little too much. And now maybe you are Facebook messaging them or instant message DMing them or Snapchatting them on accounts you've created that nobody knows. And you've completely created this hidden life. And in that hidden life, now you feel trapped and you feel like there's no way out. And I want you to know there is a way out. There is hope. His name is Jesus, but you have to take some practical steps to free yourself to sever the harmful relationships that are there set by the enemy to destroy your life and the next generation. So how do we do it? You got to unfriend them. You got to block them. You got to like quit that job and go find another job. By the way, there are tons of jobs out there right now. Like it is your market, okay? Some of you just need to pick up the phone and text that girl or text that guy and say, Pastor Rhett said it's O-V-E-R. It's over. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more. Right? Come on. Change your phone number. Change your address. Change your zip code. Whatever you got to do to sever it. Guys, some of you at the water cooler on the job site, you got those guys that come up to you and they're talking trash left and right. They're talking trash about their girl. They're talking trash about their their wife or whoever it might be. They're showing you inappropriate images and videos on their phone thinking it's hilarious. And here you are stuck in the middle of that because you've chosen just to go, well, I guess I just, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm here. This is my job. No, my friends, it is time for you to walk away and say, I do not want that junk in my life. It will not affect me. It will not affect my family. I I'm taking a step and I'm severing these harmful relationships. And that means I got to go get another job, then I will. If that means I just need to go start my own side contractor business, I will. I will be a man of integrity. Guys, what's the big deal? Come on, Pastorette. Seriously, is it really that big of a deal? Yeah, Proverbs 13, 20 says that you want to hang out with fools, go ahead. That's your choice. But just go ahead and sit back and watch your life fall to pieces. Many of us wonder, why in the world am I ever just experienced so much pain and hurt and it just seems like my life is falling apart? Well, who are you doing life with? Hang out with fools. Your life. Just watch it. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Watch your life fall apart. And I don't want this for your life. This church doesn't want this for your life, for your marriage, for your home, your finances, or your health. We want 2022 to be the best year of your life. How do you do it? The key is life-giving relationships. The key is surrounding yourself with life-giving people. Look at Proverbs 13, 20, the rest of the verse. Hey, guys, you want to become wise, man? You want this to be the greatest year ever? What you got to do, you got to change your concept and your mindset and your system. You got to sever the harmful relationships, and you got to begin walking with wise people, not with fools. Because that's how you become wise. How? By walking with other wise people. You got to initiate some healthy relationships. Guys, you can't live right with the wrong people in your life. 
Amen. Guys, this is huge. In fact, I want to share one more verse that just kind of wraps it up. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Time out. This word yoked, what does it mean? It simply means don't have common fellowship. In other words, it's not saying, uh, it, it doesn't mean go isolate yourself from the world and just live in your little time capsule, a bubble, right? No, that's not what it's saying. It's just simply saying, don't be so close to somebody that their bad habits begin to influence your life. That their toxicity begins to just bleed into every area of your life. For what does righteousness and wickedness, like what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what, what fellowship can light have with darkness? The answer is they can't. They can't have fellowship. So what do we do? We sever it. We cut it. We remove it away from our life. Why? Because it's a trap set by the enemy to destroy our home, our marriage, our finances, our health, our emotions. Why do we get rid of it? So that we can experience life and begin to create this system and this process that will set us forward to the goals of becoming the man and woman of God that he's called us to be. So what are we going to do? We're going to become wise. How? We're going to make the decision to initiate Initiate. Here's your blank. Write this down. We're going to initiate some life-giving relationships. Like the choice is up to us. Now, the reality is, truth is, many of us, we want this. We want this for our life. But if we're honest, many of us, we're hearing it. We're just not willing to take the steps to live it out. And that could be for various reasons. Some of us Maybe afraid to take the step, maybe because we put ourselves out there before and we didn't get the same response, or maybe we expected people to come to us and we were waiting for the phone to ring when the other time the other person was waiting on the phone to ring and we kind of got ourselves in this place of just some of us, we just didn't know. We were like, you know, I didn't know how important relationships really were. So now I know because I'm hearing this message and seeing what God's word has to say about it. So there's reasons why most of us don't take steps, but you know, our relationships, are they easy? No. Relationships are hard. They're difficult. They're awkward sometimes. You know, there's those moments, right? But our relationships, life-giving ones, are they worth it? Oh, my goodness. Yes, absolutely they're worth it. But they're not just going to come to you. Although I'm just going to sit around and pray that God just brings this person in my life. Open your eyes. They're all around you. But you've got to take the step to invite them into your world. You've got to initiate it. If there's anything that I've learned about moving 2,300 miles away to do something is that you've got to take some steps to initiate some meaningful relationships. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to go to them because they're not always necessarily going to come to you. You're surrounded by them in this room, maybe online. You have them all around you. You've got to take the step. Stop blaming God. You take the step, take the responsibility, and begin to initiate it. Hebrews 10, 25. Look at this. Guys, we cannot give up meeting together. I love this. It's just straight up talk. I love real talk. I love honest. Guys, don't give up meeting together because some of you, you're in the habit of doing that. Some of you, you've picked up some bad habits due to the crisis in the world today of isolation. And I get that. There are times and seasons we need to remove ourselves for health and safety's sake. I understand. But some of us have gotten the habit of doing this. And now we're no longer doing it. And we've, we feel isolated and alone. And now we're hurting and we need some help. And so don't give up meeting together. But no, create the habit. Create the habit of healthy life-giving relationships in your life. And encourage one another. I don't know about you, but like, 
I need encouragement. Like standing on this platform right now with a topic like this, I need some encouragement, y'all. Come on. Thank you for the one or two people that said amen. I love you. Let's go get coffee afterwards, right? We encourage one another. You need encouragement. I need encouragement. And check this out all the more today. Why? This big capital D, you know what that's referring to? All the more as you see the return of Christ approaching. It's so important now. It means more now than ever before. We've got to have people in our life. We've got to have this. Three relationships that I believe are critical to initiate in your life. Some of you have them. Some of you don't. Wherever you are on this, I would just encourage you, according to God's word, to begin to initiate and develop these. I'm going to give them to you in a very practical way. And that is the first one. If they're not in your life, you need this. Guys, you need to develop a relationship with my church. My church. Everybody needs a home. Everybody needs, uh, this is my church, this is my home. Everybody needs a place where they can find belonging. And if you've been a part of our church for any time or any length in season, you've always heard me say, our arms are wide open here. We love you. Our greatest desire and our only agenda is God's best for your life. And a part of God's best for your life is finding a church home. And it doesn't have to be here. And that's okay. We want it to be here. We're better when you're here. But we also understand that we might not be your flavor. We might not be your flow. And that's okay. But our greatest desire is you find a place that you can live out. Psalm 92, 13. Look at this. For those who are planted. Everybody say planted. You know what that means? Those who are rooted, grounded. Where roots go down deep. Look at what happens. Those who are planted in a home. In the house of the Lord. Look at the product. Look at the promise from those who have made a decision to develop a relationship and find a church home. Look at this. They shall flourish. Your life, your family, your marriage, your health, your finances, they will get to the place where they flourish. And this is our hope for you. And again, it doesn't have to be here, but it needs to be somewhere. Now, I tell people all the time, like I'm in great relationship with a lot of pastors in this area. I really am. And I'm so thankful for that because we're not an isolated church. Like uh, we're, we are partnered together because this thing's not about one life. It's about the capital C church. And you've always heard me say, hey, uh, I'm always texting them. And I am. And I had a lunch this week with about four or five of them. And so part of that process is when I share that with you, I'm always like, hey, if this isn't your fit, I'll help you find a fit. Because again, like I said, best agenda I can have for your life is to set you up with somebody else to find a my church. And I actually had to live this out the other day. I actually sat down with a gentleman, and he was sharing. He's like, Rhett, we love you. We love the church and everything. You know, the church is three years young, and there's just some things as a church plant, you know, no fault of your own. It just takes time to develop, but that aren't able to meet the needs of our family right now. And I'm like, bro, I get it. I respect that. And so, you know, how can I help serve you? He's like, you know, every Sunday, I've always heard you say about the pastors you're in relationship with. I'd love to take you up on the offer of kind of knowing who they are in one of the churches. And I was like, oh, dear God, like I actually get to live this out now, right? (laughs) And I was like, man, can I just be honest with you? Like, again, I really mean it. Like, we're going to miss you. Our doors are always open for you. But I just want you to know, like, if you ever need a place to go home, here it is. But here's their names. Here's the churches. Here's what I think based on what they're able to offer in this season of your family's life that I think would be great. So this is how important this is. Your pastor's living this out, okay? It's important. You need to understand it is so vital that you're planted in a house of God. I love Ephesians 2.19. You are members 
of God's very own family. Everybody say members. You're members, not attenders. Listen to me. When you profess faith in Jesus Christ, you've been adopted into God's family as a son or daughter. And you're no longer just an attender. My friend, no, you are a member. You have a seat at the table. Listen, before Linda and I got married, guess what we did? We dated. You know what that is? That's another way of saying we had an attender relationship, right? I was kind of like, what's your likes? What's your dislikes? What do I like? What do I dislike? We're kind of getting to know each other. That's dating. That's just attending, right? But then at some point I realized, man, I love this girl, man. I want to move from attender to member. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? And so we went from an attender dating relationship to a marriage, which is a membership. And by the way, membership has its privileges. Amen. Come on. But it also has its responsibilities, doesn't it? It does. And if you've given your heart to Christ, the truth is you're not an attender. You're a member in the family and you belong. You see those two words? You belong. Some of you online watching us today, some of you may be feeling maybe that you don't belong. I want you to know you belong. If you're in the room today, maybe you're feeling, I don't know if I belong. My friends, you belong in the family. You have a seat at the table as a member. Here's the truth. You will never discover the best of a relationship until you take a step to commit to it. It's important. It's important. And my hope today is maybe you're saying, well, how do I become a member here? Because I would really like to go from attender to member. I like to go from consumer to contributor. What does that look like? We have a class called Discover. Discover is a two-step process. Happens pr- pretty much every Sunday. Uh, vision happens on first and third Sunday. So this is a five-Sunday month. So we don't have anything happening today. But on the first and third Sunday, you have an opportunity to see what it would look like to be a member here at One Life Church. To hear the vision of our house, of how we want to move the ball down the field. To love you, to serve you, and to come alongside you. And for not only you, but for those who aren't here yet to hear the vision. So if you want to know what it looks like to become a member here, to get planted in this house and to flourish, this is your next step. I would encourage you next week, come to the early service. And then after it's over, come to this at 11 a.m. Talking about initiating life, giving relationships, creating systems and processes that move us from where we are to where God wants us to be. So we're going to develop a meaningful relationship with a church, getting planted. Number two, if you don't already have this in your life, and that is now it's time to develop a relationship with a small group. Come on, somebody say small groups. Small groups, not what we do, it's who we are. Pastor, you just said this earlier before you started the message. Yeah, I did. I'm going to say it again. You're going to hear it one more time before we close the service. Small groups are so important. They're vital. It's a place, to, an opportunity for you to connect and experience life change. And guess what? They start next week. <laughs> they start next week. If you haven't already done so, go to the website. Click on the button that looks like that that says small groups. And then what you're going to discover is that you're going to discover your new best friend when you go. What do small groups do? My friends, they give you the opportunity to pull back the mask. You're talking about like the physical mask, we got to wear your coat? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about the spiritual mask. Because many of you in this room, including myself, you're wearing a mask. You are wearing a mask of what you want people to see and what you don't want people to see. What do small groups do? They give you the opportunity To come and to do what? To be the real you. To be a part of a community that's not perfect, but that says, you know, I got some issues and 
my life hasn't been perfect. I've had a lot of you know, speed bumps along the way. And when you begin to hear somebody else's story, you're like, oh my God, I've gone through that too. I've been through a divorce. I've been hurt. I've had somebody walk out on me. I've made a bad decision. I almost lost a business. I've been unemployed too. You know, I'm struggling with porn. I don't want to, but like, what's happened? How did you get through it? And you find a safe place just to go, you know what? We got your back. You know, you'll also find that the people aren't going to try to figure it all out because they don't have it all together. They're going to be like, you know, I don't know how we're going to get through this with you, but I'll tell you what, we're going to get through it. I don't have all the answers, but we know the one who does. And here's the thing. We're just going to come alongside you, love you, serve you, and you are not alone in whatever your situation is. This is the beauty of community. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, verse 12. Look at this. Two people, two people are better off than living a life isolated. Why? For they can help each other succeed. And if one person falls, the other, I mean, it makes sense. We get this, right? The other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, someone who has isolated themselves and doesn't have a small group of people in their life, my brother, my sister, you're in some real, you're in some real trouble. For a person standing alone, you can be attacked and defeated. And some of you, if you're honest, you feel like you're under attack. Some of you feel like you're being defeated. You're being pounded on from side to side. And you're like, why? I need some help. And you're isolated and you need a brother or a sister. You need a small group. You need a community of people who can come alongside you, encourage you, and help you know, bring out a helping hand and lift you out of it. Because two, those who are in a small group, what does it say? They can stand back to back and conquer whatever you're going through. Three, Oh my goodness, those who have a my church and a my small group, woo, are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Can I get a good amen from those who have attended small groups and experienced this this morning? It's so important, my friends. So important. Here's the last one, and it's really the most important one. And I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you this one, because this is really what it's all about. The greatest habit, the greatest decision that you can ever make is to begin and develop a relationship with God. It's to begin a relationship, but not just to start there, but to develop it day by day, month by month, year by year, a relationship with God. My testimony in short is I grew up around religion, guys. I'm from the South. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, where just like there's almost a Starbucks or a coffee house on every corner in the Pacific Northwest, in the South, on every corner, every block, there's a church. And I grew up in and out of different churches. You know, I lost my mom to suicide when I was seven, and my dad did the best he knew how to love me and to try to create moments for me to experience a better life. And in those seasons, I was going to church after church and being kind of around these things. And I knew of God. I knew of God. I knew God, but I didn't know God. There's a difference. Many of you today, I could list an actor or I could list a, you know, a famous name. You're like, oh, I know them. I know them. But you don't really know them. You know of them. You just don't know them. And that was my relationship with God. And see, growing up around religion, I always thought that God was looking for something from me like demanding something from me, like I had to perform. And it was all about religion. 
doing good deeds, going to church, serving, giving, acting right, putting on the smile, right? But what I realized is God was never looking for any of that. Not that those are bad things, but God was never looking for religion. God was always looking for relationship. And at 16 years old, my best friend invited me to a church, much like One Life Church. And it was in that service where I began to realize and experience a beautiful truth of one of the most famous verses of all of Scripture. And that is John 3, 16 through 17. Many of us have heard this. Many of us have read this. Many of us probably saw it on ESPN today or will today especially as we get ready for the Super Bowl. But for some reason on that day, my eyes were open and I saw something I never saw before. And I want to read this verse the way that I now see it and how God showed it to me that day. For God so loved the world that he gave. Time out. Up until that moment, I always thought that God was mad at me. And what I came to realize that day as I read this verse, it was like a light bulb went off and I realized that God's not mad at me. God's madly in love with me. He loves me. He loves you. He loved me. He loves the world that he didn't come to take anything from my life. But he came to give and add value to my life. God never came just take anything away. He always came to give. What did he give? His one and his only son. He gave his best so that he could spend time with me. I'm like, the God of heaven, the God who created the earth, the God who breathed and created man and woman from dust and dirt, the God who formed me, the God, are you kidding me? He gave me his son. He loves me. Why? Because whoever believes. Up until that point, I thought it was all about whoever does, whoever performs, whoever acts righteous. No, no, no. Whoever simply believes. Like, if I just, I just believe that this is the truth, I just I accept it. Whew, how easy is that? Bring me in on this. For whoever believes shall not die. What is death? Well, the more you read the Bible, you realize death is eternal separation from God in hell. In hell is a real place. In hell is a place that God has never intended for you or for me to go. So he provided a way out. Sins have to be paid for, everybody. And when sin is not paid for in our life, the consequence is death and hell. But God knew. He put a plan. He put a process in place. His name was Jesus. He was the son of God, perfect in every way, sinless. He came to atone for the sin in our life, not because we deserved it, because he loves us. He gave his son. His son died a horrific, murderous death. His son rose again from death, hell and the grave, sits at the right hand of the father. And because of Christ, in Christ alone, not what I can do, not what I can say, not how I can perform, but because of Christ, in Christ alone, his grace, his love, and all I have to do is simply believe and receive it, I'm saved from eternal damnation, from separation from God. I'm going to experience eternal life. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. I've lived 44 years by the grace of God on this planet, and I hope to live another 50. But everything that I've noticed as I've gotten older is that people do one thing. We all have one thing in common. We're all gonna die. 
Aren't you glad you came to church today, everybody? <laughs> Just trying to encourage you. <laughs> Death is no respecter of persons. And so I don't know if I had enough foresight to see, you know, in the future. But I was like, everybody dies. And I've experienced that young because my mom and other family members. And I was like, God, I don't want to die separated from you. I want to have eternal life. And I want to accept your love. And I did on that day at 16 because of this verse. Read the rest of the verse. It's pretty powerful. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn us. That was my view of God up until that point. God doesn't, he's not sitting in heaven trying to condemn you for all the bad things you've done. No, he didn't condemn us. But he came to save us. He came to save us. He's come to save you. Well, Pastor Ray, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. It doesn't matter. God loves you. He paid a price for you. That's why I'm here to tell you that the greatest Success, the greatest significance in your life, your marriage, your home, my friends, is beginning a relationship with God. It's the greatest relationship. And that's why it'd be my honor to help initiate, to come alongside you and to help initiate the most meaningful relationship in your life that you'll ever experience. And that's a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. I want to do that in this moment. I recognize some of you, you grew up in church, you grew up around religion, and you've probably heard this before, and maybe you at one point made the decision, and at one point you were walking this, man, but then something happened, something turned, and you walked away from your relationship. There may be some of you in the room today, or maybe even joining us online today, and it's like you're hearing this for the first time through a new set of glasses, and You're seeing things that you've never seen before and you're coming to realize that, oh my goodness, I need to have a relationship with God. I don't want to die apart from knowing Christ. I don't want to spend my eternity in hell. I want to spend my eternity in life and hope with my Father in heaven who loved me, who gave me his best. Some of you, you want to begin a relationship with God and honestly, that's the greatest decision of your life. It would be my honor to pray with you right where you are. So if you're in the room or online, if you're in the room, I'd ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you'd like to make a decision to follow Jesus today and basically surrender your heart to him and just profess faith and believe of who he is, Scripture says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus died, was the Son of God, rose again, you'll be saved. You'll experience eternal life. It's amazing. It's a miracle. It's this transformation that happens. So if you're in this room and you want to make that decision, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I promise I will not embarrass you in any way at all, but it would be my honor to come alongside you in this moment and just say a simple prayer with you. So would you be so bold, maybe just to raise your hand and let me know, Pastor, that's me. I just wanna, I wanna give my heart to Christ. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. If you're online today and you're just saying, you know, that's me. I wanna profess faith in Christ. I want to come into a relationship with God. I wanna spend eternity in heaven with him forever. All right, you can put your hands down. God bless you. Would everybody, listen, families pray together, and we're a family in this room. And so I'd encourage everybody to say this prayer out loud. Just mean it with all your heart if you, if you want to pray this. Just say, God, thank you. Thank you for wanting to have a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe Jesus 
died and rose again to pay for my sin. Today, I surrender. I surrender my control and I surrender my life to you. I believe in you. I give you my life because you gave me yours. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, help me to live in relationship with you every day of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, church family, throw your hands together. Let's celebrate with those who made a decision today. God bless you. Way to go.